Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Everybody, welcome back to the Three Tech, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined per usual this time both in the same location by Trey Reeves. He's not on the ones and twos today, and Garrett Turney. Gentlemen, hello, good evening to you tonight. We are crammed into a little uh, sound booth, makeshift booth. But oh we're yes, love and life. Very we're good. Excited to be together. It's nice. It's good. Back in the 817 for Trey over here. So he's having a good time, obviously. Oh, well, uh, happy Father's Day to uh, everyone out there uh, that qualifies. Happy Father's Day uh, to my dad as well. We are recording this the night beforehand. Um, and uh, yeah, just want to obviously recognize that uh, special special men in our lives who have uh, helped you know grow our, our sports fandom as well as uh, just you know teaching us how to how to be young adults and young men as well. So a happy Father's Day to uh, each and every one of you out there. Gentlemen, uh, we've talked about all kinds of college football details this offseason. The offseason, of course, rolls along. We are so close to getting to the end of it and having previews that will go up. Uh, that will start next month, right about this time next month. But today, what we are getting to the bottom of and addressing is news around the transfer portal, right? It's Obviously been the biggest uh, topic of discussion, maybe outside of NIL, since Transfer Portal uh, became a thing in October of 2018. Arguments that it's made the sport better, arguments that it's made the sport much worse. Uh, And we are going to get to the bottom of that. We think, as we've kind of alluded to in, in multiple episodes so far, there are certainly elements of the Transfer Portal that are broken inherently. And as the NCAA hopefully moves towards some sort of solution, guys. We wanted to kind of kick around some of those ideas. You know, Trey, let's start with you. When you think of the transfer portal in its current iteration, good for college football, bad for college football, somewhere in between? Well, I think you got to start with the realization that the old rule was pretty lopsided and pretty bad. So if you're coming into this and not really knowing exactly what we're talking about, Pre-2018, if you wanted to transfer schools, like I'm sure many people listening to this podcast did as athletes or just students, you had to sit out a full year. Um, If you wanted to go from Texas Tech to Baylor, for example, you'd maybe even sit out for two years because that was going from uh, one school in the same conference to another. 
Meanwhile, at the same time, if a coach that recruited you or was coaching you or that you developed a relationship wanted to leave and jump to another school, there's no penalty. They could just jump from one school to the other. Obviously, that happens a ton every offseason. So what the NCAA tried to do with a lot of influence was take that limitation away, make it to where there's a lot more freedom for these athletes to jump from one school to another. And on the surface, that seems like a no-brainer right? That seems like, let's give these kids some freedom. But as we've said, that has just opened up a whole nother can of worms. There's a whole bunch of unintended consequences. Coaches basically have to recruit their entire rosters each year in some cases. Um, Now with NIL and the same footprint, obviously we see a lot of people maybe looking around to see where they can make some more money um, in a different market or in a different landscape. So it started out very pure. It started out very altruistic even in motives, but obviously there's a lot of unintended consequences that we need to work out, make sure that we're not creating this system where some schools are taking advantage of others. Yeah, Garrett, it definitely feels like a wolf is in the hen house a little bit. Like Trey said, every coach, it's like they're responsible for recruiting all 85 of their scholarship guys at the same time while the season's going along plus thinking ahead to you know next year's recruiting and the year after that uh do you think that since the transfer portal has been you know in its common form that it's been a net positive or should the ncaa you know had a little bit more hand in rolling out rules guidelines with it going out I mean, it's a net positive. Don't get me wrong. It's it's definitely helped players and athletes get what they need and be able to find good situations. Unfortunately, because there's no rules, regulations, guidelines, anything like that, it's so easy to abuse that. And I, I've heard it said as well that when you combine it with NIL, this is basically free agency, but without a cap, mm-hmm. right? You have no cap. You can just pay whatever. So Let's say you're, you know, a big time program who's maybe a little bit down. Take a, you know, Nebraska or a Miami or USC. even a Texas. Yeah, USC, Texas, someone like that. They can just show up to some other place and say, I need a wide receiver or I need a quarterback or I need a pass rusher. And you can say, we're a big program, lots of donor money. We'll pay a million dollars up front to just show up. We'll get you a car. We'll get you, you know, all sorts of commercial deals or something like that. And it's really dangerous, I think, because then you're kind of taking the you know, student athlete out of it and just turning it into a business, which the student athletes deserve to be paid for the stuff that they're doing, right? They're making loads of money for people. They should get a cut of that. But the issue is you take them out of that and it becomes a game for who can be the highest bidder. And they're not thinking about their development. They're not thinking about how to get good you know, coaching and exposure and things like that that will put them in the league. Or on the flip side, for a lot of these guys who maybe, you know, they're not quite cut out to make the NFL, they're just looking for a payday as opposed to finding a good college that can set them up for a career outside of football either. Yeah, uh, no doubt that there have been some unintended consequences with this. It was, I think it's been helpful to a lot of kids. It's, you know, allowed a, a lot of guys the freedom to transfer back home across the country to better situations, but uh, there have also been, no doubt, some abuses of that system with NIL linked. Uh, you know, of course, there was the borderline scandal around Jordan Addison uh, transferring uh, away from Pitt to right. the point where, you know, Pittsburgh 
reporters supposedly were making up NIL figures that Jordan Addison was going to, you know, accept when he was taking, you know, going across country to USC. At that point, he hadn't even been in the portal yet. Like Addison had not entered into the transfer portal in any way, shape, or form. And you've got Pittsburgh beat writers who have never broken any sort of news saying, oh, USC's paying him what, $3.1 million to come across country. So a lot of a lot of positives, some negatives for sure. But that's the purpose of this podcast is to kind of go over potentially some of the solutions that we have. And it certainly seems like the NCAA uh, may have as well. And I think, you know, we mentioned Jordan Addison. That's obviously the, probably the most high profile transfer of this off season. He's not the guy that this rule was created for. Um, This rule was created to give more freedom to players who maybe are buried on the depth chart, maybe, need to move back home to be closer to family, maybe have extenuating life circumstances, and they didn't want the NCAA to get in the way. Jordan Addison, amazing player. He's going to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL draft in April. He won the Blitnikoff Award for their best wide receiver um, in college football last year. Not who this rule was made for. And look, I don't know all the extenuating circumstances in Jordan's life or – exactly what his thought process is making the move from Pitt to USC, but he's kind of the poster child um, as he's made this transfer of, we got to fix the transfer portal because we don't want the USC's of the world, the perceived more powerful programs poaching all the talent that was developed and using these quote unquote, smaller programs like Pitt um, as a farm team or Mm -hmm. just poaching talent from them. So Jordan Addison obviously an amazing player and maybe he just loves the West coast and was really bummed out in Pittsburgh. But I think well, lost his quarterback, lost his offensive coordinator. There were reasons for him to leave There were reasons for sure. And I'm not trying to, I, again, I'm pro players having freedom and pro, you know, players being to do within reason, whatever they want. I'm just saying the Jordan Addison's of the world were not, the intended beneficiaries of this rule when it came out. And, you know, with Jordan Addison, I mean, you can make the argument that he wants better development with Lincoln Riley, who's got a pretty prolific offense, that he wants some kind of an opportunity to do that. But, I mean, when I'm looking at him, I just kind of see a guy who, you know, you're right, he won the Bolitnikov. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. At this point, how much better are you getting? You know, how much better are you going to get as a college player in this year after you've already become the best college football wide receiver, you know, are you going to get in an offense and what catch a couple hundred more yards or a few more touchdowns or maybe perfect the route tree a little bit? Like what are you trying to accomplish there? I don't know. I just, I don't see it. You know, obviously the NIL stuff was speculation, but I just, I don't get it. And the other side too, I mean, the only other option for him if he doesn't want to play at Pittsburgh is to opt out, right? Like pull a drive yeah. chase. And I think people would be mad at him for doing that too. So kind of a no-win situation for Jordan if he wants out of Pitt. But again, not necessarily the intent or the heart behind the uh, initial count or not initial counter, the um, waiver, the one-time waiver, right. the transfer right, right. to another school. Yeah, I was going to say, if he did choose to opt out, like you said, it's it's not like people took Jamar Chase's decision uh, super well, you know, uh, Micah Parsons' decision at, at Penn State, albeit for COVID reasons, quote unquote. Right. Nobody really takes it 
well when your superstar says hey peace (laughs) i'm gonna be working at this gym over here you know 24 7 getting ready for the nfl draft rather than playing on the field so uh with that being said um the ncaa has finally decided that okay we're seeing some things that are going going on that maybe we don't agree with uh there's a lot of uproar as there always is Uh, i feel like the college football fandom is always trying to beat down the gates uh, of the castle there in Indianapolis. Usually uh, the NCAA just hides in their ivory tower and, you know, beckons everybody to go away. And eventually we do. Um, But uh, on Thursday, so just a couple days ago uh, from the time that we're recording this, the NCAA uh, Transformation Committee did announce that they were providing recommendations that would provide athletes with windows to enter the transfer portal each year, as well as changes to the current infractions process designed to result in faster outcomes. That's from ESPN's Heather Dinich. Now, uh, the NCAA, true to form, would not comment on any sort of specifics and or details of this elaborate plan. But, gentlemen, I think uh, kind of the, the initial spearhead into this episode that was our recommendation, and it's certainly not unique to us. A lot of people have posited that, hey, okay, this whole 24 7, 365 free, agent thing, uh, free agency thing is an absolute drain and is, you know, is seen nowhere else in sports. So, at the very least, if we are going to just say this is free agency, how about we place a time window on it like every other sport does? Uh, this certainly seems like a common sense, no doubt, first step that the NCAA can take. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you're right. A hundred percent right to mention that we have this in every other sport already. And you make the argument that, you know, this is amateur sports too. This is still not professional. We run college football like a professional sport at the highest level. So putting in a window, I think also kind of kills two birds with one stone. I think another big complaint about the transfer portal is just the tampering element with it, with, coaches being able to contact kids and maybe someone that recruited a kid out of high school is getting in their ear again when they're not getting playing time their freshman Mm -hmm. year. Hey, we still have a spot down here at our school. If you have a window, one, it just gives the coaches one less thing to worry about. They don't have to recruit their rosters in the season. They don't have to worry about the news breaking of someone on a Wednesday announcing they're entering the transfer portal. And two, if anybody's caught contacting a kid outside of that window, it's just easy to write them up for a violation. It just makes it so much easier on the NCAA to police that if they so choose. And just really, obviously, they've shown in the past that they're not consistent with they what they're doing. Like if they're not wrong. That day, um, you know, uh, there's a certain hospital in Louisiana that might want some investigation, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it just makes it so much easier to say it's so much more black and white. Did you contact the kid outside of the window or not? And it's a very easy black and white answer. So. And, and that can be as easy as just tracing phone calls or, you know, figuring out an email chain and when that got sent. You know, it's and that's the thing, too, is I think a lot of the problem here isn't so much with what we're saying is with the student athletes. It has more to do with the coaches and what they might want to do to kind of you know, get an edge. Yeah. Make their team a little bit better, right? You want to find a way to get your competitive edge, no matter how it is. And so instead of having a coach call you, you know, after, you know, let's say that you're, uh, 
you're a certain team that you just lost a disappointing game to a rival. You just kind of got knocked out of, you know, playoff consideration and you don't feel like you're getting your playing time. It'd be really easy for one of those coaches, like you were saying, who recruited you to just call you up and say, hey, that's a bummer. I'm going to take advantage of this low moment to convince you to come on over, you know, now with NIL, I'll strap an NIL deal to it. So it's I think this is a lot less about, you know, hitting the kid for you know, skipping out on something, which I mean, to be fair, there's some of that that needs to happen where you have to be able to say, Hey, you can't just bail. If you're a you know quarterback, you can't just bail. Um, yeah. And I think too, we might need, uh, we might need two windows. I think it, I do love the window idea, but you would need one in the, at the end of the season and another one after spring ball. I think there's so much that goes into spring ball. There's so much that goes into just sorting out, you know, who's going to actually get playing time, the depth chart, you get early enrollees that might take a job from a senior or upperclassman. So if we're going to have a window, I think we do need to have multiple, maybe Mm -hmm. two, one at the end of the season before bowls and then another one at May. It it can't be during the regular season. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I agreed. And it sounds like they are, if they are going to go to this window system, it sounds like it would be too. I agree. I think you center those windows or position those windows just after playing time, right? So one after the regular season, one, Trey, like you said, after spring ball, where you have a set amount of practices, you get to actively compete for your job. Um, You know, a a kid that uh, really impressed Texas Tech and is glad that he's getting a fresh start out in Lubbock is Baylor Cup, right? He saw that the Aggies brought in several tight ends in this class, uh, including Jake Johnson, who came over when Max transferred to Texas A&M, was previously committed to LSU and committed to to Jimbo, flipped over to Texas A&M without ever taking a visit to campus in College Station. Baylor Cup, a former five-star from Brock, Texas, who was one of the most heralded tight end prospects in the country back in the day, he's kind of out of a job. He's had a bunch of injuries. He's, he needed a fresh start. Clearly was going to be battling for, if not that starting job, maybe even the number two tight end in Jimbo's system transfers out to tech where likely he'll either be tight end one or at least get plenty of opportunities as tight end two in, you know, a a passing attack that, uh, that Joey McGuire is getting to run. So agreed. There's a finite timing to this, that has to be considered, that has to be implemented. And I don't think it's hard to do that. Uh, I think the NCAA has to sit down and, and figure out what that end date is. I don't think the the beginning date is going to be all that difficult to come up with. I think it's going to be really when do we lock this down and you know close off the portal system. And I guess the other part of it and kind of the next step of this is the portal probably doesn't ever go away, right? Because the portal, quote unquote, has always existed. There just wasn't always a public online database where everybody could see, hey, this kid is looking to transfer, right? I mean, it was the portal has always existed. It was just very much more internal than it was public. So the transfer portal, quote, quote unquote, probably won't cease to exist in those dead periods. It's just going to be, Trey, like you said, much easier to police. Okay, this kid is being contacted from, you know, three tech tech. Is is emailing this kid outside of the the allowed window? Like a great school. That's right. Um, sounds like three tech tech and uh, and Pate State might need to be iron. Um, but anyway, timing very very crucial. Like you said, hopefully the NCAA would choose to enforce this. But uh, 
you know, we've seen them be a little lax in the past. Well, but I do think we already do it for high school recruits. There yep. are non-contact windows for high school recruits when you're not allowed to call a kid. You're not allowed to step on a campus. They're not allowed to visit your campus. Or shout out Arizona State. So many, shout out Arizona <laughs> State. Absolutely. Um, some programs ignore those rules more than others. We have tons of stories of the bump-ins, right, where a coach oh, yeah. accidentally bumps into a kid that they're not supposed to talk to. But, again, <laughs> so. that's about what does the NCAA want to actually pursue because right. you'll hit a guy for, like, you know, he'll be on a legitimate visit to a high school, but then he'll accidentally run into a sophomore walking through the locker room to go get his gym bag, right? And all of a sudden you're getting a bowl game suspension or a fine, but then you have other schools that, for some reason, they can get away with just about anything. So it seems like there's an inconsistency here. Um, I mean, obviously, that's what we're saying. But I, I just think, you know, especially with the portal, right, the, the you know, non-contact windows, the, you know, hey, you can't do this. If you're going to have something like that, you actually have to have the NCAA you know, go against people who do this and actually have like set guidelines for this is what the punishment is. We're not going to wait for it. And I think it has to be a little bit stricter than what it has been up to this point. You can't just hit schools with fines. They're still going to recruit guys, right? Especially with NIL stuff. At at a certain point, your NIL people are going to find a way to pay your fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, we might be overthinking this just a little bit because I mean, these are student athletes, and obviously some athletes take that more seriously than others, but you can use the schools to create your own window, I think, mm-hmm. because every single school that these guys are going to, they have a last day of the semester. And mm-hmm. so if you're talking about uh, opening a window in December, opening a window in uh, May, have you finished your finals yet? Are all your grades through? Or did you pass all your classes? That's fair. Um, are you winning, son? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but but in all seriousness, like, are you done with your classes? Did you complete that semester? Yeah. Can you unenroll? And the school that you want to go to is it? Are you still able to enroll in that school? I think the schools create your window for you. It's really sure not as difficult as maybe we're making it seem. That's a good point. Uh, But at the same time, we'd like to see the NCAA actually do this. I mean, it is all very easy to talk about this on a podcast. Um, NCAA hasn't done any of this, as simple as it sounds. So my my next question here, and and you've seen a lot of debate on this on on both sides, what to do about the one-time waiver rule, right? It used to be before the the portal became a, a fully functioning... Uh, organism in 2018 that any anybody that transferred either had to have like a special waiver from the NCAA that was handed out like you know Willy Wonka's gold bars at the chocolate factory or you had Most to sit out good players going to the dominant powerhouses that's what yeah well, or, or or you know that's what he means by golden ticket or things that made TV ratings go we uh and then the NCAA <laughs> would would smile kindly on that but um, most kids were having to, you know, burn a year of eligibility to then transfer. And, you know, we were talking about this before we hit record. The biggest issue with that and, and still what causes a lot of strife and complaint with the current system is that kids draw all this flack or kids were being disadvantaged by the system when coaches can leave for any job that they choose for more money, for a better, you know, 
uh, geographical location, what have you, with no penalty whatsoever. And in the old system, a kid, you know, a kid couldn't even transfer home to be closer to mom who's sick so he can take care of her and play football at the same time. There were several infamous cases where the NCAA just, I mean, Scrooge McDuck said, no, we're not going to give you another year of eligibility or we're not going to give you immediate eligibility and grant this transfer, even though literally the only job uh, or the only reason for that is to be closer to, you know, a special family situation. So question for you guys, uh, if we were to institute this windowed process, would that one-time waiver still exist? And if you, you know, move schools or transferred outside of those windows, do you get punished by having to, to burn a year of eligibility or is it still the same process? I mean, I think to keep it consistent, you have to have a guideline like that, right? You have to have something where the waiver only would apply during the portal window. You know, if you're if you're going to say that, well, you have to do it during this window for the portal, but yeah, kind of whatever. And I mean, the thing about it too is, you know, for a lot of these kids that are leaving for a special circumstance, it's not because of the football that they're leaving, right? They would like to play next year, but if it's for a family thing, it's going to be for family. If it's for, you know, maybe a a locker room incident where they just don't feel comfortable in the locker room anymore, they got to get out of there, then yeah, maybe that's what they go with. And and they don't care about the football aspect as much as they care about their own situation. Now that's not to say that they don't want to play or that they wouldn't appreciate playing, but you could evaluate that maybe on a case by case basis, right? The way that we used to. The only reason that you should have a portal window in the first place though, is to have a dedicated boundary for when you're not being punished for doing this. Right. And and again, I do think that a lot of this punishment should fall on the institutions and the coaches that pursue these things. But if you're just a player trying to find a way to, you know, go about your business, that's really, that's, that's not so much on you for the football side of things. You're a lot more concerned about your situation. Yeah. And I think, it would definitely give the window some teeth if you're not only policing violations, but also enforcing the one year. I do think this is another thing where I think that for the longest time, the NCAA has just made this really harder than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. Things are going to come up, right? There's going to be a kid whose mom gets sick in March and they decide, Hey, I really need to move closer to home. I need to, drop out of school maybe and take care of her. I need to go find a school that I can play closer to home. Like things are going to happen, right? Financial situations are going to come up where families just need to have their kids closer to home. Those are, you don't have to punish the kids. I think you can have that one year punishment or one year penalty for transferring outside of that window. But if you're the NCAA, come up with very clearly stated reasons that you would give a waiver. Like I have a direct relative that's sick. I have this financial hardship, like define all those terms, just have a document in your bylaws saying, this is what constitutes a waiver. Anybody can apply for it, but this is the only reason it's very black and white. There's no gray area. These are the reasons that we're going to give a waiver. If you transfer outside of the window. It makes too much sense, so that's why they're not going to do it. But Oh, yeah, no, there's no reason they would do that. <laughs> that was exactly what I was going to say is, guys, we are making so much sense right now, and I think there's a lot of other journalists that have made just as much sense. 
Exactly uh, yeah, we are disqualified from doing this. That's right. Um, so another question that kind of breaks off of this, and I alluded to it just a moment ago. Should there, you know, there, there, there have been comments thrown around that if you're going to mess with the ecosystem for the kids and how they get to school and how they pick and choose the best situations for them, NIL opportunities or not, should there also be some sort of management system in place for the coaches? Uh, and, and that was something that I know you guys maybe even were in favor of is, hey, if we're going to say that kids can't leave during certain windows, are there also certain windows that coaches can't leave, right? Like a la Lincoln Riley bolting to to USC two nights after after Bedlam happened. Yeah, and I think it gets tricky when you incorporate the multiple signing days. Like, obviously, the, the excuse for the school is going to be, hey, we need to recruit. We need to get our class signed with an early signing day. We need to get our guy in place as quickly as possible. But there are so many stories of position coaches that have been recruiting a guy for three years, leaving right after the first Wednesday in February when they right. signed. And that's that's just scummy. Like that that is it's part of the business right now, but it is not fair to the kids. It's not, you know, honoring your word as a person. We can get way down in those weeds. But I think, yeah, if you were going to add a window where players can and cannot leave, absolutely you have to include that with coaches too. And I think the same thing can apply. Things are gonna come up with those coaches too, right? Maybe I mean a big example is, you know, one of Jimbo Fisher's really appealing reasons for moving from Florida state to Texas A&M. He has a son that has a rare disease and there's a hospital and a doctor that specializes that in Houston right down the road. Mm -hmm. And so that wasn't the only reason that he went to Texas A&M, but definitely he's even said that that was a big part of his decision. And so those things aren't rare. Those things are going to come up and you can have bylaws in place where you spell out, okay, this is a reason that you can leave your job outside of this window. But if you do, if you choose to leave your job for, you know, we're not living in a communist society. We're not going to force people to stay at a job where they're unhappy. But if you choose to leave a job outside of this window, maybe you get a one year show show cause. Maybe the school that you go to gets a three to five scholarship limit placed on the next signing class. Maybe their initial counter goes from, 30 to 25 you know there's there's so many things that the ncaa can do to discourage that that i think it's another thing that you you want to just give these kids as much information as possible as they're leaving and you have to hit the adults in the room right these are the grown men they've been doing this they know what you're supposed to i don't blame some of the students for you know, at times they're not maybe making a super wise decision. We've all been that age at that point, right? We, we know that you don't always make your best decisions in college and you sometimes think that you know what you're doing and you really actually don't. But by this point, these coaches that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars should know how to conduct themselves professionally. And so they should know that, you know, hey, if you are in a position where uh, you're recruiting a class and you know that the day after you're bolting for another spot, you shouldn't be allowed to do that and just not face any consequences. 
right? You should have a defined set of time where you can say, hey, this is maybe it's during the recruiting process. Maybe this is, you know, right after the regular season between the bowl season. Like, I don't know exactly when you would do this, but, you know, you should have the ability to say, hey, I'm not going to be here next year. So if this player is coming to this college for me, or if there's a recruit transferring in because of me, then they get a chance to say, ooh, hold on, that's wrong. Because what if a player transfers in on a waiver, they get their you know one free waiver, and then the coach leaves. Now you're stuck at a place where you thought he would be without your waiver. You already burned it. So this would just make the transfer process even worse and even muddier. So for me, I'm looking at this saying the grown men who've been doing this for how many years, you know, Mike Gundy, he's a man, he's 40, right? These guys should be the ones who know what they're doing and should be able to conduct themselves in a way that puts the kids in the best situation possible, right? A lot of coaches want to say they just want to do what's best for the kids. Well, you can prove it and put some limitations on what you're allowed to do too. Yeah, and I think the NCAA probably, just the things that they decide to go hard in the paint on are just hilarious to me. I was listening to different sport, but same rules. Um, was listening to Jim Schlossnagel talk about leaving TCU for AM. He's the head baseball coach at Texas AM. And I was listening to him talk. He was saying he couldn't even talk to his players and text them, like saying, you know, hey, thanks for being a great player. Hey, I'm leaving for AM because he had already um, taken the job and it would have been a violation of transfer, transfer portal communication. So, like, you're okay with it being the Wild West, but when you actually have people that want to do things the right way and communicate, you put roadblocks in place there. So, man, they yeah, we I, I agree completely. We need the adults in the room to step up and be adults. And it's a huge business, and there's people that are – there's millions of dollars on the line. But maybe put an incentive for those millions of dollars on the line. Like maybe, I don't know, a salary cap, maybe – a show cause there's so many things that the NCA could do to prevent that from happening. So I'm going to ask this because I think it's uh, the devil's advocate that I've heard be a big response to this. And actually the position that I agree with, um, why would we treat coaches who are businessmen just like you and I are any differently than we would approach our own job searches, right? Like we're, if we're given an opportunity to go make more money, to be in a better situation, probably, depending on what the details are, you're leaving immediately to go do that, right? You're not seeing it into, uh, you know, to the end of the quarter with this current company. You're not seeing it, you know, to the end of this deadline necessarily with that company. Now, you might negotiate that to where, hey, you know, yes, I'm going to take this offer. I don't want to leave them high and dry, so I'm going to finish this, but then, you know, we're going to SoCo, baby. We're, we're going to Southern California. <laughs> why Why would we treat coaches who are employees of universities any differently than, than we would maybe police our own job searches? Well, certain professions, right? I, you gave an outline of businessmen, and I fully agree if you're a businessman um, or just in a lot of lines of work, you can leave whenever you feel see fit. You get a job offer that pays more money. So, but the slope of that as a coach, like you have a built-in commitment. There's professions where you have this window already. If you're a teacher, you, at least in the state of Texas, you sign a contract 
for a school year. And if you take another job while that contract is in, they can, your current employer can go after you and like block that. So Mm -hmm. there's already precedent for other careers. I, again, pro freedom here. We like, we are pro freedom. (laughs) Let me, let me me wave the stars and stripes real fast. (laughs) Just one of the controversial takes we have here. We are pro freedom at the three take. Um, but there's there's precedent for this, right? If these guys were coaching high school, they would only be allowed to leave at a certain time. Now they could announce that they were going to take another job, but that's being very open uh, with their players and with the people that they're coaching, and they would still have to finish out the school year. So there's precedent here for coaches. I think when you're dealing with there's a whole nother side of coaching. I know not everyone is in coaching for this reason, but there's a whole nother side of coaching that is just mentoring and building up young men, right? Like yeah. I think the best coaches would say that that's why they're in it. They're not in it for the millions of dollars. Obviously that's a nice perk if you get to that level, but at the heart of it, like any good coach is going to be in it for that reason. And when you bring that in, you know, I trying to not be too like, idealistic and this is a perfect world but when you bring that in there's just certain expectations that need to come along with that yeah and just on the business side though one of the things that i was thinking of is you're on the business side if you were to swap jobs you're talking about private money in a lot of these cases we're either talking about donor contributions or state funds that have to do with these universities getting their funding so you know, we're, we're not talking about just a business. We're talking about where stuff is going. If you sign a contract, if you've got a certain amount there, I understand that there's buyout clauses and whatever else, but we're not talking about just an easy deal to break there with some private funds and somebody else wants to pay you a little bit more. We're talking about, you know, big time donor money, state money, and, and that would get messy enough in terms of filing lawsuits. You know, what if you went to the donors and said, I need to find this much money to you know get this coach and then you get him and he darts and then you're like well where is all that and then you can face other lawsuits and the university gets in trouble so there's too much commitment from other sources to make that kind of a sort of a a free-flowing uh you know just go wherever you feel like going type of thing you have to be able to i think at least my opinion you have to be able to hold these coaches accountable to the things that they have said they're going to do and then if they do choose to leave during the appropriate window, that's fine, right? But then at least you know what to expect. And I think too, again, we're not saying you can never leave outside of that window. But I do think just like we are saying with the players, <laughs> if you leave outside the window, you have to sit out a year. Um, you're a coach, you leave outside the window, you get penalized. And whatever that penalty would be, I don't know, but just a fair penalty for uh, a punishment that would fit the crime. I guess yes. uh, you heard it here first. Uh, the taxpayers are the ones that are paying the bill here and uh, taking it on the chin. That's the one. Lincoln Riley. Unless you're Baylor or TCU. Yeah. Well, or at that point, it's donor money. USC. So, you know. Yeah. I was going to say Lincoln Riley going to, to Los Angeles, but then again, they are a private institution. They're a private school. Well, People yeah, forget but that. I'm sure that nobody made any calls to donors there and said, we're going to get Lincoln Riley to no. find some money. No. No, never. Definitely no. not. Uh, Trey, you had an idea a couple of ideas here on our on our show notes here uh and as i go to the fridge for a water bottle i want you to take us down this this uh nebulous idea that you threw out right before we hit the record button that there should be a tiered system 
maybe around recruits. Not not a hard idea, not a suggestion necessarily, but it was something that you you voiced. So take it away. Yeah. So I've seen this idea thrown around, and it kind of goes back to the Jordan Addisons of the world, where the intent of this rule, the intent of the one-time waiver is for a kid that's maybe a freshman and thought, you know, this school, I thought all these things when I was in the recruiting process, but now I'm here and I'm homesick or I'm not getting the playing time that I thought I would. Um, I'm not, you know, you can fill in the blank and I want to go to this school that I think is going to give me a better football opportunity and just a better quality of life, you know? And I feel like we're kind of crapping on Jordan Addison a little bit. We don't mean to crap on Jordan Addison. He's just kind of turned into the poster child of this. So Mm. what I've seen thrown around and I'm still kind of toying around with if I agree or not is kind of creating a certain system of either rating transfers based on, you know, maybe in-game statistics, number of games started, awards that they've won, um, time at a university, and maybe just like policing how many of those guys you can take. Because like we said at the very beginning, what we don't want college football to turn into and what we maybe are teetering on the brink of is a few teams basically using the rest of college football as their farm team. They go develop for three years. We get them as a senior when they're 22 years old. And we're just playing with a team of men amongst boys. Because, you know, if you have a four-star prospect, he is going to be way more valuable to your team nine times out of 10 when he's 21 versus when he's 18. So if you're letting those other teams develop those four-star guys, get them good, and then taking them for their best year, that's just not creating a sustainable system in college football. So, A couple ideas I've seen thrown around is one outright banning those transfers. You know, if you're a starter for multiple years or you've hit a certain production threshold. Wow. I don't agree with that. I think that's just, (laughs) I I think that would be better not be too good at football or you're locked in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I don't necessarily agree with that, but you know, one thing I was kicking around is do you have tiers of scholarships that you require? So let's say Jordan Addison wants to transfer from Pitt to USC, but he is an upperclassman. I think that's where I would draw the line personally, upperclassman. And again, you can have a waiver system for all this maybe, but upperclassman or if it's a production profile or something like that, they actually don't cost um, one scholarship for their new team. They cost 1.5. So that's kind of an incentive to maybe think twice. Obviously USC is going to take Jordan Addison either way, but what they can't do is take 15 Jordan Addisons because that's going to turn into... I'm really bad at math, but 25 players, I think. And you just can't sustainably build a team when you're using that many scholarships. So I don't know what the solution is there. I think you could get creative and, you know, when someone enters the name, their name in the transfer portal, if you're wanting to do all this above board and officially, you can have, you know, a process where you say, okay, this person would cost this many scholarships to the new team. And it might even incentivize someone to stay when they put their name in the transfer portal. Um, the grass might not always be greener, number one. But number two, if teams are like, yeah, man, we love your talent. We would love to have you on the team, but we just can't take a guy that's worth one and a half people. Then that might spread the talent out a little bit more. I mean, 
I don't know. Like, this is obviously not the easy part of this, and I'm just spitballing here, but right. just something that maybe I haven't heard necessarily talked about a lot. It's definitely maybe... messy, but I think I see some of the merit to it. I'm not sure exactly how you would work this out, but it's it's not the worst idea I've heard. Oh, score one for Trey. Uh, for not, not the worst. Here. I'll take it. Not, <laughs> the worst. not the worst. No, I mean, uh, you know what? I'll take anybody with ideas at this point. The NCAA doesn't seem to have any of those, and so I will take anybody who's willing to come up with a creative solution. Well, podcasting is the sponsored home of spitballing, so uh, you are certainly not <laughs> off not off base there. Shout uh, out Spitballers Podcast. Um, not, there you go. Not a sponsor. Not sponsored. Not, not a sponsor probably won't ever be, but, uh, well, fellas, I, you know, I think at the very least it's been an informative discussion, right? I mean, you see so many things written about the transfer portal and let's be honest. If you're just on twitter.com for your news, uh, you see a lot of horrendous takes on both sides of, of the proverbial aisle for this. Um, by the way, didn't, didn't address the house game housekeeping excuse me at the very beginning but follow us at three tech pod on instagram and twitter you can also write in the show three tech pod at gmail.com um but as we get ready to kind of move into the last segment here uh, of the show garrett you had been positing we had a little get together last night and you had been throwing around the idea of of uh this trivia almost where hey literally hundreds of kids have found new homes in the transfer portal and you wondered if there were some that you could kind of stump the Schwab style, uh, slip past us here. So I believe I'm going to be so to you. I do miss <laughs> that show. Uh, as I turn the reins over to you, you've got uh, a little game for us here as we in this pod. Yeah. So, uh, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to see who could get more, of not necessarily obscure, like I'm not going to give you the punter who transferred from Mississippi State to UNLV. That one would be way too obscure. I knew that one. Yep. Uh, sorry, Trey. Um, but no, I just figured I'd give you some guys, maybe names that y'all have heard, but they're not Jordan Addison or Caleb Williams or any of the people that we brought up so far tonight. So okay. uh, we can just count this off and see who can win. Hopefully it doesn't end up in a tie. We would like to have a winner and a loser. It's sure. just a little bit more fun. Uh, so we're going to start off. We have eight of these guys. Uh, so we're going to start off with the quarterback, Grant Gannell, heading from Memphis to oh. where did he go to? Trey, I'll start with you. Where is Grant Gannell headed? Oh, gosh. He's from Arizona originally. Okay. But neither five-star quarterback. Former five-star, yeah. He dropped like a rock in those recruiting rankings, though. Um, yes, he did. <laughs> Arizona State and Arizona don't need a quarterback. I want to say he transferred in conference. Okay. In the American. Um, this is awful podcasting, but I'm going to go... I, oh, God. I have no idea. I'm going to go East Carolina. East Carolina. Okay. <laughs> Mitch, where is Grant Gannell now? Is... <sighs> So I read where he went a couple of weeks ago when I was going. I was reading transfer news, and this kid's been all over the map. He's gonna shake my butt at this if he's reading <laughs> transfer news. Um, no, no, because I can't remember where he went. I remember thinking, "Oh, that's I can't believe Grant Gannell is going there," and I cannot, for the life of me, pinpoint where it was. That kid got such an interesting story because he 
uh, was a Texas A&M commit, followed Sumlin to Arizona, started right. there briefly. Arizona was the worst. So he tries to transfer in conference, and Arizona says, no, you're not yep. going to be doing that. And so after that point, I know he lost his starting job. I don't know exactly where he went. So It's you're stalling while you're Googling. I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I got my hands up. Um, I, I can't remember exactly where he went, so I'm going to say he went to Marshall. Uh, well, you got the color scheme pretty close. Grant Ganell is now the quarterback at UNT. Go mean green. Okay, so I went right up the road. Yes, sir. Right that's up the road. Right. Yep. That's yep. right. Yep. That's why I remember UNT. thinking that's where he went. Well, there you go. Good All right, well, trail. couple of goose eggs to start, but that's okay. <laughs> um, okay, number two. This is a wide receiver coming out of Texas A&M, Caleb Chapman. He leaves A&M oh, and indeed. heads where? Uh, Caleb Chapman has gone north to Eugene, Oregon to play for the Ducks. Yes, quack, quack. He's an, he's an Oregon Duck. All right, yeah. So you guys got that one. He does go to hey, Oregon. We're on the board. Caleb Chapman. All right, so it's one-to-one one right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Next up, this is a wide receiver not from AM. He's from Texas, actually. Calvante Dixon. Calvante Dixon leaving the Longhorns, heading... I think I know Which, where he went. Trey, do you have your guess first? Uh, SMU. Yeah, I was going to say the Ponies. There we go. Very he, good. He was two part of two, four yeah. Longhorns that transferred from UT and all committed Pretty surprising, to yeah. 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 That Austin to Dallas pipeline is Hey, there you strong. go. Strong. Who knows right. where they came from first, but yeah, Austin <laughs> to Dallas once they get to college at least. Um, okay, so uh, this one may be another little bit of an easier one. This is the quarterback used to be at least at Baylor, Gary Bohannon. Left Baylor, and he's going? I know where he's going. Trey, I'll let you give your guess. Oh, I, <laughs> I think it's it, an interesting to go first. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I for sure know where he went. It's a really weird school, isn't it? Like I remember hearing oh. it and being like, what? Wow, you just defended an entire school. They're not weird. They're just... It's not necessarily well, like, weird, not where you would expect. It like, was not where I would have expected. Oh, Gary Bohannon. It was not where he was rumored to be heading. Um, I'll say that. He. Gosh, I I just heard this yesterday. Um, I'm not going to get it right. Uh, we've stumped the Schwab. Is it Big Ten? Can it I get is a not hint? Big Ten. Oh, okay. It, okay. I'll give you a hint. It is. I don't give yeah. him a hint. <laughs> I'm going to give him a hint. You already know. So I'm going to give him a hint. It is a G5 team. Yeah, okay. Oh, well. He's on G5. That, okay, never mind. That doesn't narrow it down much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go... Not, say it again? I was going to say, I could not <laughs> tell you the head coach uh, who he's going to play for, but I do know the team. I'm going to go with the University of Alabama, Birmingham Blazers. <laughs> Honestly, not a bad guess. Not, not a, a bad guess. guess. He, uh, our boy is in Tampa at South Florida. Oh, that was literally the two that I was between. I was going to just throw out South Florida. Like, no, no lie. I was going to throw out South Florida, but I chose UAB. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, hold on. Wait, Garrett is in the Google machine right now. He committed to South Florida. He did go to South Florida. Okay, yeah, no. Woo! Uh, Cool. Yeah, I was about to he be at South Florida. No, who I'm did kidding. you who did okay. you write down? 
No, I had USF. I read it wrong. I thought it said UCF, and I was oh, like, did I write that wrong? Or didn't? Oh, yeah. Dude, you it made that USF. face, and I was about to say, I'm about to have to do so much editing. Today. No, I wanted, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I had it written down correctly. So, yeah. Okay, so anyways. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, next one. So it's 3-2 Mitch right now. Sweet. Uh, next one, as we cross the halfway point, the defensive lineman from LSU, Joseph Evans. He leaves LSU. And he heads, and I'll give y'all both this one. He is no longer a Power Five player. Yeah, He's five. It's um, a UTSA kid that never, kid that never got a chance to to start really at at LSU. UTSA, lock it in. I do Great think with a very confident UTSA. Wow. So here's the deal: UTSA did get a couple of SEC transfers and i do want to say that evans was the defensive end that transferred to play for jeff trailer um so trey can get credit for this for saying it first but i do think he's part of that sec pipeline that that transferred in Traylon smith transferred from arkansas as well very correct good job trey that's a utsa right, yeah, for you. i did a me, lot of utsa me. research for that last episode <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay, so it's three to three. We got three more left. All right, we got the wide receiver. Mitch has four. You got that four. one right, too. That's fine. We'll keep we, going. We'll we keep get, going. Okay. Right. We, can go, we can say four, three if we want to get mistakes. Honestly, we probably should have done who who could say it first, so we might need to switch that to the – Switch to that do for the we, last three here. Do we want to lightning round for the? Yeah, let's light, lightning yeah, round. Lightning round. Whoever says the correct school first will get it. This is a wide receiver – Coming out of UCF, Jalen Robinson. Ole Miss. Wow, that was Dang. quick. Okay. That was very quick. <laughs> he, was, uh, it. he went viral on TikTok because he was filming a TikTok uh, when, um, uh, what's his name, Coach Lane was uh, driving him around in a Bentley. That's right, yeah. Hey, okay. I, I don't use TikTok, so I didn't even know that one. Cool. <laughs> um, so Mitch going up one here. This is, I guess, four to three now. Yep. Uh, we're going to go with now a linebacker coming out of Kansas state, Brandon Jennings, Maryland. Uh, no, he came from Maryland. UCF. Yes. UCF. It right. is UCF. Yes, let's go. Uh, he transferred from Maryland. He transferred from Maryland. Never took a class at Kansas State. He transferred in the offseason and then right before classes start said, actually, never mind. I'm going another <laughs> another poster child of the need to rein in the transfer. Yep, there we go. A little bit of a trick question there, but uh, we oh. do get him. And last one. Just just for you just know, for grins and giggles. This I'm, one's worth I'm, a this one's worth a million points. Oh, bad. so this <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna see who can get it first. Okay, uh, this is a running back coming out of Texas A and M, DeAndre Jackson. He's at Arkansas now, isn't he? He's not at Arkansas. He went to Nebraska. No. Uh, I'll let Trey guess. I I know where he is, but I'll let Trey guess first. Like I, I forced Trey guess. 
Um, you are correct that he did go to Nebraska, but he then left Nebraska also, and he is now somewhere else. Also, I don't think took classes at Nebraska. Uh, went through spring. No, practice. I don't think so. I don't think no, it was a very quick in and out. Another poster child. Okay. Um, you get a non-Arkansas, non-Nebraska. Well, guess. that really narrows it down. Um, <laughs> Only 130 other FBS teams. <laughs> and FCS. We could be dropping down well, a division. Uh, is he? Oh, okay. Is he at? He's from Georgia. He is from Georgia. Is, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say he's at. I, I literally have no idea. So I'm gonna just say Georgia State. He is playing at Oklahoma State now. Really he is playing at Oklahoma. Okay. State. Okay. Yep. Good for him. He'll be a Cowboy. So yeah. Good for him. Very good. Well, I guess Mitch with one million and five points, <laughs> uh, and then Trey with three. So not <laughs> not close. particularly close. This um, close. Hey, just, but you nailed the UTSA kid. <laughs> I, was, I knew all over that I am one. San Antonio stand up two one zero triangle of toughness. We are all <laughs> I, tell what, I, I tell you what, you know, we, we talk about this being a Lone Star podcast as far as origins. We, we certainly want to have much more of a national coverage, national, um, you know, presence. But I did briefly live down in San Antonio last year during football season. I tell you what, that triangle of toughness two one zero rebrand, it's not made up. People in yep. San Antonio who previously have never cared about college football unless you're a Longhorn fan or, you know, it's it's all Dallas Cowboys, people are investing in UTSA. Now, were there a ton of bandwagon fans there at the end of last year? For sure. But that being said, working at a smaller institution that did not play football, that was still what came up in conversation around the school, around the community, yeah. what have you. You could be going to lunch. And you would hear people talking about Roadrunner football. So Jeff Trailer not only had to build a football team, but he also had to get a community to care about college football. And he's done that. So, you know, we talked about their road to a successful season is lined with all kinds of landmines this season. But I do hope that there's a little bit of staying power there for the brand and for, you know, just kind of the overall investment in the wow. program. Uh, they're a fun one to root for, for sure. I mean, this is a team that, you know, they're coming out of nowhere. It gets hot. And you always want one of those teams to pop up and come out of nowhere, right? You always want, you know, like last year, watching Cincinnati come out of nowhere and make the playoff. That was fun. It was a team that, you know, they're not probably a rival to your Power 5 school that you went to. And so you just kind of get to root for them kind of secondhand. You say, hey, well, you know, maybe my team didn't make it. But look at Cincinnati. Good for them. So it's kind of nice to have UTSA showing up and sure. you know, making a big deal out of their program. And as a proud uh, Roadrunner brother, I will always fly the birds up high. Oh, yeah. um, and listen, that's a city that has a like vacuum of pro sports. They've been trying to get a pro, another pro sports team to pay with the Spurs for years and maybe okay. utsa can fill that gap that'd be awesome yeah right all right well fellas uh great job tonight loved loved the conversation uh the game at the end certainly fun let us know what you think about the transfer portal what your changes would be heck do you think it's fine the way it is is your team benefited from it and that's a-okay uh let us know instagram Twitter. what's garrett wrong on any of those transfers that would have made me win maybe. right in <laughs> or how many points did you get, including the million, you know, point DeAndre Jackson? I don't, I don't think he was wrong. The, I, I kid you not, though. When you raised your eyebrows when I said South Florida <laughs> after saying, "Oh, I know where he went," woo, very brief <laughs> moment of panic there. Um, so, but anyway, uh, 
write in. Let us know what you think. 3TechPod, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can find us uh, through our Gmail as well. Tell you what, we're getting questions through our Gmail. We're going to do a mailbag episode eventually. Probably, I would say, maybe even right before we start previews. And then, you know, we can certainly work in a mailbag segment uh, to the regularly scheduled programming. But uh, keep your questions, your queries, and comments coming. And uh, do go follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're trying to build that. Join the movement. Hop aboard the rocket ship and uh, interact with us over there. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 